Hey, this is Randy Robinson, and I'm the pastor of Everyday Church. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope this podcast encourages you, stretches your faith, and helps lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus. Let's do it. Welcome, my friend, Pastor David Howe. Thank you, sir. I've got, is this working? That's for the recording. Oh, it's for the recording. It's too, you guys are so cool. All right. So, uh, good morning. You guys are so cool. I, I, man, I didn't know that Randy was going to get this cool, but, um, and uh, I'll tell you, honestly, and, and um, that episode of Ice Road Truckers we were on, uh, he wasn't doing 80, I was lying. He was doing 112. Uh, literally, we're sliding sideways down the interstate like this, and he's just looking like it's okay. I'm a, I'm a Florida cracker. I'm a cracker. And when it snows, like, you don't drive like that. You don't drive, you don't leave the house. When it drops below 70, you don't leave the house. You know? And uh, it was really good. I, just, I really love the fact that we see so many young people on stage, and, and you old people, it was okay too, you know, for the old people. But to see so many young people involved, and, and I know I give... Aubrey and Adrian a hard time, and, and uh, when, when she came in, I know that teenagers don't always wake, well, adult probably, you're adult now, are you 18? Yeah, all right. But, you know, they don't wake up till about noon 30, you know, and so the, the angry face and stuff. But uh, it was so good to see him, and uh, my wife is not with me, and, and, you know, I don't always say this right, uh, she's not with me because after church I'm going to prison, and, and I just, you know, well, I am. I'm going to prison. She doesn't allow it in there because I don't allow her in there. They will let me out, but at the same time, and if I leave my church alone without supervision, it's not good. It is, if you guys remember, it is not good. She needs to be there. And so my wife's family, and I'll say I'm your family too, are in the audience today. Uh, but we're so proud to be here. And the only way I really got to escape, Pastor Randy, now, you didn't agree to this, but I agreed to it for you. And I said, hey, guys, I need to miss a Sunday, uh, but it's okay, because if I miss a Sunday here, then Pastor Randy will come to us one Sunday and, and visit with us. And they said, sure, go, 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 because they want to see you again. It's been a very long time. Last time you were in my church, I think you brought a ladder with you. And I, I'm not sure they, they still don't, they just need you back, okay? So guys, this morning, uh, yesterday, <laughs> and I know we got some Bible scholars in here, uh, some people who've done D-Psalm and all the other cool psalms and stuff. You guys don't know what that is. It's Bible school. And uh, yesterday, somebody thought it was a good idea to have me teach an eight-hour class about, in a Bible college. First off, they don't understand what they ask for when they bring me in. And then Pastor Brent Simpson said, just tell stories, Dave. Oh, once again, not the best idea. And I brought my bag in, and I threw a bunch of socks and body sprays and girls' underwear on the table. No, little girl underwear. It's okay. Maybe not. Uh, well, because I threw it and I said, what is this? And I said, these are my evangelism tools. Once again, not the right way to explain it. And if you guys don't know me, I do a lot with kids, and we give out underwear and socks. And, and I'm the guy who goes to the store, buys 10,000 pairs of girls' underwear at one time. And then when they say, can we help you bring it to your vehicle? And I say, no. And they say, why? Because I'm driving a white van. <laughs> and they're like, what? I'm like, seriously, there's a white van in the parking lot. I need you to put all the little girls' underwear in a white van. And then that's when the police in the audience here are starting to perk up. And I'm like, listen, if I get pulled over, I just get out and get in the cop's car. That's all I do. I just, not explaining this. It's not going to happen. See, some of you guys are about to quit the church. It's okay. I'm not here next week, guys, so it's okay. Uh, you know, in evangelism, they said, Dave, explain evangelism to me. And I'm like, 
I thought you guys were in Bible college. I thought this was a no-brainer, you know? But I, for eight hours, I explained evangelism. But evangelism can really come down to just a few minutes. And like I talked to my friend here, we're not here to expound on something that's already there. The gospel is the gospel. Evangelism is evangelism. It's to bring peace from the Prince of Peace. And Philippians 4, 7, in fact, the whole chapter 4 is all about that peace that passes all understanding. I do a lot of funerals, and I do a lot. I say, hey, you got to have a peace that passes all understanding. We don't understand everything that happens, but we need peace. Say amen. One of the devil's greatest tools today is anxiety. It always has been. Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. Okay, anxiety's always been here, but now we're to the 10th degree. We're to the 100th degree. Those of you guys who are in psychology majors and all these things and these in, in clinical, I mean, anxiety is absolutely out of control. And the devil finds something that works for him, that works against you, he's going to go full on. And it's not that hard. It's literally just pouring out what you have in you. That's evangelism. The only problem with us today, not all of you, because here I look at the ceiling so you don't get offended, because everybody's triggered. So you don't put enough in you to give back to your community. You do not put enough gospel inside you. Well, the gospel's in the four books of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The whole Bible is the gospel. The gospel is supposed to be in you. You're supposed to read. The Holy Spirit brings to remembrance. See, it sounds like I'm punishing people, doesn't it, right? It's good. So I, I mean, I'm going to go hard at first, and I'll lighten up, possibly. But the fact is, if you're not reading your Bible and then acting upon it, like those of you guys, I know my friend here runs these crazy mud bog races with his feet and does all this punishment on his body. They call him warrior, gladiator, Spartan thing, right? My brother does the same thing. He's insane, too. And so I, I sat down, I, some of you thought when I sat down towards the end of, of, of praise and worship that, man, that guy is a man of God. He's going into deep prayer. I'm going into deep knee replacement, okay? That's what, I'm like, got no cartilage here. So I'm like, okay, yes, I'll pretend I'm praying so they think I'm holy. Yeah, I just have to sit down sometimes. But there are people who, uh, Mike, I know that you don't just sit around eating Cheerios all day and some SpaghettiOs and some, maybe he does. She's like, yes, he does. But you run, you train, you do these things. And he goes, well, I already heard this about the Bible. You have to train. It's real simple math. You can have a gym membership, but you got to go inside. You know, you guys are here. So everyone suspects, true or false, that you're Christians. So I assume, I'm going to assume, give you the benefit of doubt that everyone in here, for the most part, unless you're visiting, you don't know, or unless you've been here for a long time, you're just lying, that you're a Christian. See, sorry. Is it okay? Am I okay still? Am I getting paid? No, it's okay. But I'm just kidding. But the fact is, you can't pour out what you don't have. I, I am a milkaholic. I'm an addict, honestly. And that's, I don't do drugs anymore. I'm, I'm good. But I am an addict. Whatever I like, I'm an addict. I, I, I'm a Salisbury steak addict. I know you guys don't think that's food, but that's delicious. Uh, when I go to prison, I take Salisbury steak and macaroni bowls, and they're like, Pastor Dave, that's disgusting. I'm like, you be quiet. They say, that was, you know, people say there was struggle food when you were a kid. Oh, struggle food, SpaghettiOs. Are you kidding? That was rich people's food. Ramen noodles, that was rich people's food. My dad said, we didn't grow it, we didn't eat it. I couldn't grow anything. So the fact is, I eat that. So I'm, so I'm a milkaholic. I love milk. My body doesn't like milk. I love milk. And my kids like milk. My staff like milk. And they know it's only in my refrigerator. So they come down to my house and drink my milk. And then I go to the refrigerator at night and there's this much milk in there. I call people at 3 o'clock in the morning. Have you touched my milk? And you say, that's, that's too much. What does that have to do with the God? I cannot get what's not there. People cannot get from you what's not in you. If you don't read your Bible and act upon it, it's not enough to just read and believe. 
Water in a hole is still water in a hole, but if it sits long enough, it will turn green. It will become stagnant. And they say, I thought you were talking about missions. I am. So many times we think our job is to fix people and fix everybody. It's not. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they should be called the children of God. Your job is not to point everything on Matthew 5, 9, if you're looking. But our job is to see things as they can be, not as they are. Some of you know me. Some of you knew I was coming. Some of you are related to me through my wife's side, that other Goodman side. <laughs> but the fact is, you knew how some of you just saw me walk in. And they're like, who's that guy? Some of you who don't know me says, they never said this. Oh my gosh, I bet that's the preacher. I don't think that ever happens. In fact, I just did a funeral after church on Sunday at a funeral home, and I pretty much wore what I'm wearing now because this is pretty much my uniform. It, different colors, same symbol, Harley. Oh, no, there's a skull. Sorry about that. But I'm a Harley guy, so a Harley, blue jeans, boots. I walk into the funeral director, and I say, hey, man, I need the uh, clergy card. He's like, no, you don't. <laughs> I need the clergy card. Did the family... Uh, get a clergy card prepared. If you guys don't know what that is, it's what the pastors read. They're born, they passed, they did this and this and this. And he said, no, you can sign in and you can go sit down. Like a kid, go sit down. I was like, I don't want to go sit down. He's like, go sit down. I'm like, no, nah, really. My wife was there because I tell her how it happens. And I was like, I see the clergy card in your hand. <laughs> He's like, no, we don't have one. Go. And so I went down, sat down. And, and you know those funeral homes that have big high backs in the back? The high back, you know, the bishop chairs? You need one right here. <laughs> But I don't like those tears. It feels weird for me. So I sat in the front, and then they said, we're about to start. I got up, and I sat in the high back. I only sat there just so he would know. Like, that's right, buddy. That's me. <laughs> then he walked up, handed me the clergy card. He's, I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, he was mad that I was the preacher. I get thrown out of hospitals all the time. Leesburg Hospital, if you work there, tell them, stop throwing me out. I even have an ordination card. It's made of plastic. It's real. And I've got an ID that goes with there. Like, still won't let me in sometimes. They're like, no, here, just go. I've had a tow truck behind my truck when I parked in the clergy parking. I was like, guys, come on. Pastors have Harleys too. It's a beautiful Harley symbol. It's a truck. Uh, sorry, it's for clergy only. If you guys don't want clergy, it's just a fancy word for saying preacher guy. And it's really, we don't use it. Use that word? I wouldn't even put it on my truck because it's weird. It's like Reverend Bishop, David, what? So the fact is that I've said for years, um, and, you know, we're talking about missions and Pastor Randy said, hey, will you come talk to him, encourage him? We're going to talk about missions and missions of Cal and what I do out there. If I had time, I could talk to you for, well, you don't want to hear this because some of you are going to leave right away and say 10 hours, but I'm not that long. But the fact is, hours and hours and hours is what we do. And I talk to young people and young ministers and they say, my call is to Africa. And I say, that's a lie. <gasps> my call is to India, to reach the people of India. You're a liar. That's terrible, isn't it, Pastor? He's like, he's about to tell you to leave, <laughs> get out. But the fact is, and I say, well, I'm an Ocala Forest missionary. I'm a missionary with the Assemblies of God out there in the Ocala National Forest. I have been for a very long time. In fact, I just did my 30th year of ministry as, as far as February as having what we have, 30 years as of February. And so, right, that just means I'm old. So we do this, and then people say, you're called to the people of the forest. Nope, that's a lie. Pastor, what were we called to? Are we not called? And some people don't even believe you get a calling. I'm sorry, I believe that you get a calling. But the fact is, everybody in this room has a calling because you're called to people. Sometimes your people happen to be in Africa. Sometimes your people happen to be in Honduras. I've got people all over the place. But God will not send you anywhere if you can't do it here. God, 
cannot, will not, should not send you anywhere if you can't do it here. If you cannot speak to the people who you buy your soda pop from, if you cannot speak to the people who live next door to you, you cannot go to Africa. You should not. And if you ask me for a reference, I will say no. I'll say, please don't send them anywhere. Why? Because they don't know how to talk to people with soda pops. And if you're like, what does that have to do with anything? They're going to minister to the people of Africa. Why? If you don't care about your neighbor, and some of you don't even know who your neighbor is. Well, they don't talk to me. You don't talk to them. I don't like them. They don't like you. <laughs> the guy who talked to me in church was 80 years old. I was about to quit church. I came back to church. There's people in this room right now that are related to my wife that didn't like me either. It's okay. I had long hair, crazy, came back, and they're like, you need to leave. Well, I got, well, I got to go. And, no, you're long hair, you're going to hell. First Corinthians 16, I'm like, oh, that's, that's not a good one. I'm going to go to hell. And they hate, but Brother Gunn reached out to me real hard. And only a few people in this room know who Brother Gunn is, but Brother Gunn reached out to me and said, son, God loves you, even though you got long hair. I was like, is the long hair a problem? No, she's a problem. Thank God. <laughs> but he spoke to me, and it was so odd because he spent 50 years in ministry. 50 years in ministry, and I was the opposite of anything that 50 years of ministry looked like. Long hair, rock and roller, that kind of guy, coming in with a black eye because of what I did the night before. And for you super saints, I just slipped and fell. For you non-super saints, you know what I was doing. Um, you know, so it's what it is, right? I, I'm sorry to be very, very, what do you call it? Politically, I don't know what, I'm doing something. But the, yeah, just preach. But if someone is breathing, they are your call. Some people have bad breath. You get that? Some people smell funny because sin smells funny. People right now, you're trying to think, well, sin could smell like this and this. Sin just smells like sin. It smells like the opposite of what you want when you want to be a saint of God. And none of us are saints, not one of you, because your righteousness is like filthy rags. You know, the fact is that people we minister to are not going to be like us. Otherwise, they wouldn't need us. Doctors don't fix sick people. So excited for the doctor in the audience. I'm going to call it like it is. We're going to see things as they can be, not as they are. Right now, you're a graduating student. you got none of that behind you. But soon, you're going to be a doctor. I'm going to need some free medical care. Because you're going to remember that, that guy encouraged me. I got you. But the fact, I know I had a motive. But the fact is, and the finance guy, wherever he is, I'm going to need you too, man. Just mostly your money. But... If someone is breathing, there you're calling. So many people profess Christianity, but they can't even produce a smile. This is not a dig on you, Aubrey, I promise. You're just a teenager who was asleep this morning. In fact, I made her, I said, I said, Aubrey, do me a favor. I need you to fix some stuff. Could you draw me a smile? And I, I got in my class yesterday, and I, they said, Pastor David, since you're the visiting professor, and I'm like, whoa, with that title thing. Professor. Well, sir, you're our professor. Um... I didn't fill out an application. I don't know what that means, professor. Like, in college, we have professors. Make sure you bring your handouts. So I went around, and I handed everybody a blank piece of yellow paper. And they're like, um, sir, is this your handout? I said, yeah, I had to have, I mean, was, I mean, candy would have been better. But I handed them this paper, and I gave them a pen. I said, draw me a, draw me a smiley face. Now, some of y'all can't draw a smiley face. In fact, Aubrey, I know that she is a cantankerous little teenage girl because her next one she drew, Aubrey, now I'm calling you out, but she drew this one. What do you think that is? <laughs> Thank you, Aubrey, for your 
and you couldn't even make me skinny. Thanks a lot. <laughs> but the fact is that I told them that I was there to teach them how to preach a perfect sermon. And at the end of the class, I said, now have you guys wrote your perfect sermon? No, 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 no. Yes, you did, because sometimes this is the perfect sermon. Your smile indicates what you have. If I go and tell people I'm a bodybuilder, and they look at this, they're like, probably not. <laughs> but if I go and tell them I'm a Christian and I'm angry, probably not. If I'm upset, probably not. If I'm always complaining, probably not. Man, you could believe in Jesus, and you could profess Christianity, but Christianity has to literally ooze from you. People have to sense you. People say, spirit recognizes spirit. That doesn't mean we find all the demons. Spirits can recognize each other no matter what they are. When I walk into stores, man, demons flip out. And I'm not that cool. I hate demons. You better not have one in here today, seriously. I, I was at McDonald's the other night after a long night at the hospital with some shooting stuff. And, and I was there and I pulled up. I got my stuff and I didn't get my hamburger because I hate McDonald's. I mean, I love them. And, and I was there and I got it because my wife likes chicken nuggets, whatever. So I got it. And this dude's standing. My truck's there and he's just standing there and he looks at me. And, and I don't know why I said this, but my wife's there. I was like, not today, boys. <laughs> and, and, and they're right there. There's just one guy. And he's like, and my wife, looked, she's eating her nuggets. She goes, did you say boys? And I said, no, nah, I'm talking to that guy. He's like, no, you said boys. Is there more than one there? And I was like, I don't know. Make around. Oh, golly. They're in there. She's like, what? I'm like, nothing. So I was like, I want to eat my burger. I want to go home. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I don't want to cast out demons at McDonald's. It's weird. And I was like, I was like, and I said it real quiet because I didn't want them to hear. I said, not today. And the guy was, has back to me. He's way over here. And all of a sudden he goes, Rrr. I was like, I told you no. And now you guys are waiting for this great story, but the story just ends simple. I back up, I roll down the window, I think, not today, Lucifer! And I drove away. <laughs> and my wife's just sitting there like, you're slap crazy. I say, but I'm slap tired. I don't want the demon. So I go around the corner, I go down the block. There's another dude, not him, on a bicycle. He's got his back away from me. I'm like, you, you better not jump ship. And the dude, the dude just turns right around. I was like, I told you guys, not today. And now you guys are waiting, how did you cast them out? I turned left and went home. <laughs> Not every day is the demon casting day. I'll call you next time. But it happens to me all the time. Sometimes I get tired, so I'm not perfect. But spirit recognizes spirit. And evidently, whatever was going on, probably my wife, she's the holy one. That, she's probably the one that stirred up the boys. I recognize she, she, she divides, she gets it done, right? And he's like, I didn't even bring a good preacher and you can't even cast out a demon. I got plenty of demon post-hitch. I got it. But so many people profess Christianity, but they can't produce a smile. And sometimes a smile is broken. My smile gets broken because of what I deal with all the time. You know? But the lost need us to smile. The lost need us to show joy that comes from the Prince of Peace. Somebody say amen. amen. And sometimes my smile is broken when I'm standing in a hospital room with a little girl who's been shot in the head and all these things are happening and grandmas are crying and people are doing this and there's people dying around us and people are like this is not a big deal this kid was this this kid was bad I heard so much trash talk my pastor side was broken for a minute and sometimes it gets broken because I get angry because people sometimes just don't care not even at the shooter I'm talking about people in general when tragedy happens in our community like that, we should care. But also when tragedy, when a kid has no clothes, when a kid has no shoes, when a kid has no floor, when a kid has no way to keep a drink cold, you guys say, big deal. It's a big deal. Yeah. 
You know, the brother that gave me this water, it's ice cold. Thank you. I like that. I don't, I, and it's a simple thing, right? It's a big deal to have things that you need. Now, today I might quote some scriptures, but I'm just going to, I'm going to punk you out a little bit here. I may not give the address to the scripture. Honestly, either you know your Bible or you don't, or if either you love your God enough to go search out what I'm talking about. I'd rather you go search the Bible out. I don't care if you use Google, burn it up. But search the scripture. If I say the Bible says this, oh, he didn't give us the address of that in the Bible, so it might not be real. Well, find out. Find out. Then call Pastor Randy if it's a lie. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm scared to death of the church. But I feel like I would, when I was a kid, my mom told me if I looked at a girl like she was cute, I would die. I always waited until I got outside to see if she was cute. If she looked like she's my age, I look at the floor. People said, Mom said, you will die in the second pew next to me, and people will know that you're a sinful, terrible child. I am a sinful, terrible child. I'm 14. That's my job. I'm supposed to think girls are cute. Mom's like, no, God will get you. Well, I slipped a few times, but I didn't die. Here we go. But sometimes, so look at your Bible, find out. Mark 16, 15 brings us to the whole reason that Pastor Randy has me here. Not because you guys don't know how to do this, but what I do. It's like, go into the world, all the world, all the world, all the world. Yes, I'm repeating. It's not a psychotic break. All the world. Preach the gospel to all creation. Some versions say all creatures. And I wonder why God said creatures, because some people are creatures. You know that? It's not talking about your puppies and your kittens. You guys that preach out there to the owls in the yard, you're crazy. You're not going to get, a, you're not gonna get the, the little Tweety Bird saved. You guys say, my dog has a soul. Good for you. You know, if he's there, he's there. If he's not, he's there. But whatever. But use your time and your talent, your treasure to, I'm sorry, to reach people. They're all kinds of creatures. Have you ever been to a Circle K at dark? Have you not been? Now, I usually get in trouble because my church, because I, I slip sometimes to call it the Methyl K. And I, I slip. I know I'm going to get judged. Send, my email is david.saltlife. But, but I call it the Methyl K because after right towards dark, man, things get, what? I'm not allowed to say lit because I'm not cool. But the fact <laughs> is that they get crazy. Sometimes I just go to Circle K, get a Polar Pop, and just back up and sit down. I'm just waiting. Somebody is going to be dancing to the Bee Gees, and there's no Bee Gees. <laughs> Somebody, and you can always tell if it's a methyl K moment, they're going to be doing the Bee Gees. Ah, ah, ah. You know, and then if it's, if it's the other, the hair wrong, they're going to be doing some Jim Morrison situation going on. The door's going to be playing. And you're like, and people who are former addicts are like mad at me right now. But the fact is, life is life. The girls that were in my, in my truck at the Burger King, I didn't put them there. They were under my toolbox. Why? Why are you in my toolbox? And then I hear rattling. One actually was in my toolbox. My problem was not that. My problem is where are my tools? Why? How could you fit in there? And nobody ever talks to me. They get out and they get mad at me because I threw them out of the back of my truck. Why would you? What? It's not a big deal. The baby I pulled out of the freezer box at the, at the Circle K one night. That's the problem. People go into the, the, the freezer. You get a bag of ice, get a bag of ice, get a bag of ice. But there was no bag of ice coming out. What's in there? Now, I joke a lot. That's what I do. I use humor because I believe if you laugh, you listen. If you listen, you learn. But I go to get that, and I say, what's in there? I go in there, and the baby in there, a lady comes over. She's threatening me. What's, what's your problem? That's my kid. Actually, that is the problem. I'm cooling it off. She goes, 
I need help. I got you help. I got you help on the way. They're going to come in a beautiful car with fun flashing lights. I hope they turn them on. What? You're going to help me? Oh, I am. And can I pull the baby out? No. I said, but I'm opening all the doors and we're going to do this. And the baby's in there. That's a problem, right? I think I, I may have told you guys a story before. The girl who tried to sell me a knife at the, at the mental care one night, she actually stuck me in the corner on this side. And she, she's, she tried to th- sell it to me, and then she started to poke me with it. And she got me right before I got her, and she was poking me. And I do carry the Second Amendment. And I, <laughs> I had it, and I said, ma'am, I'm about to let you meet Jesus. She's like, really? And I was like, and then God's like, don't do it. And I'm like, but it's perfect. The police are in the room like, come on, it's okay. I can, you know, it's, it's okay. I can, bang, bang, it's done, you know? And she's got a knife. I'm, I'm bleeding a little bit. And she's like, yeah. I'm like, it's, and I, so I said, oh, she goes, why, why would you shoot me? I was like, you're trying to kill me? She goes, no, I'm just trying to sell you a knife. Well, listen, if you guys don't know sales tactics, that's not a great one. <laughs> you know, my wife says that I'm too eager. But, you know, I have this thing. I haven't carried my gun in a while because of prison. There's rules. There's a lot of rules in prison. But... <laughs> You know, the guy that pulled up on our truck one night and he's screaming at me because he said I flashed my lights. He's on his bike, rah, 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 rah. I was like, dude, get away. And he pulls his gun, he points it. My wife's here, Amanda's in the back seat. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I know you guys are like, that's scary. I'm like, no, this is it. My, I have my gun in the console, my Second Amendment, sorry. I have my Second Amendment and I pull it on my lap and my wife's like, no. I'm like, you're not my mom. <laughs> and the guy's, ah, I'm like, listen here, man, you can't do this, I'll shoot back. He's like, my mom's dying of cancer. I'm like, oh, really? This is where we're going? Put the gun, I'm like, pull over. He's like, yeah, you want some? I was like, no, I'm a pastor, pull over. And two big bikers on the side of the road hugging and snotting and crying. And I'm like, stupid. We could have just shot and been over with. I'm the pipe guy. He's like, yeah. And then I go to the hospital and I visit with his mom and everything. We walk through this death process together and he becomes a manager at a store right by my house and I'm like how's that work out the dirty crazy biker shooter guy but because evangelism is every moment everywhere every turn is evangel- mission is people and I was in a house the other day doing a, a renovation because we do a lot of renovation stuff for single moms and for these houses and when they're doing a floor we're halfway done doing a floor we're trying to find a bathroom if you don't understand if you're in a mobile home and you can't find the bathroom that's a, that's, a, that's a terrible thing. I'm not talking about the toilets missing. I'm talking about where does the bathroom go here? There's no floors. There's no walls. There's no, where does it go? So we're trying to restore, find pipes. There's no power on the property. Not because it's turned off. It doesn't exist. That's a bad start, you know? And then we're trying to put plumbing in. I hear, I, I don't know, raccoon, a possum in the back room. And so I'm not with my Second Amendment. My other guys have Second Amendments. And they're like, I'll get it. I'm like, no. Hold on a second. This little boy walks out about 10 years old and he's like, hey, no shirt, giant overgrown mullet. And he's got no shoes, about 10 years old. He said, hey, I'm like, hey, glad you didn't get shot. He's like, what? I'm tan. I'm like, yeah, you look pretty tan. He's like, no, tan, pay tan, pay tan. Is that a name? Yeah, you know, like Peyton, but pay tan. I was like, all right, pay tan, no shoes, no shirt. And he's in there. He lives in a house down the road with no electric, no running water, just like a lot of our kids do. And he's over there. Of course, there's chickens in the back room for what God only knows. He says, you want to see my chicken? I I do not want to see your chicken. Actually, I do want to see your chicken. And short story is, Peyton is 
the kind of kid, the reason that we, the reason why we dream, why we stay up at night, why we fight for the lost, why we fight for the last, and what Peyton feels is the least. His brother comes over the next time, and he's using words like, he's like 11. He's like, all the propensity of the, I'm like, what did you say? Oh, you're 11. You can't use words more than six or seven letters. He's out there, well, this is perplexing. And I was like, what? And I said, my God, you're, you're a little genius. And you're the no-shoe kids, nothing. And I was like, what, what do you want to do? Because we run mentor centers and stuff. What do you want to do? Well, I've already secured my career as a yard man. I was like, nothing wrong. I'm a yard man. I cut your grass out here. So I'm a yard. I'm, this is grass here. But I, I cut grass. I don't care about it. I'm like, yard man, can we go with it? option number two? Nope, I've secured it. I'm pretty sure I'm going to make at least 200 bucks a week for the rest of my life. It's going to be amazing. I was like, we going to make a little bit more than that, but come on. What and, but he's been told his whole life he's worthless. He means nothing. Nothing is good. He's never going to have anything. Their shoes are falling and ripping off their floor, off their feet. The next few days, I meet Peyton again at my food bank, and I say, Peyton, what are you doing here? You have no shoes, no shirt. You're eight miles from your house. I just need to come up and get some food for Mama. Why do you have no shoes? Why aren't you in school? I can't go to school this week because I have no shoes. What? What are you talking about? Get in the car. Hold on, let me call your parents. <laughs> That's kidnapping. And I, I said, call her mom. She's like, I don't care what you, and she had a lot of expletives. I don't care what you do with them. Take them. All right, why not? Take them. I take them, gets in, we go to the shoe store. Even shoe stores have rules about having shoes. So we wait, we get in there, we get, have to open socks, put socks on them, get shoes. And, and you know, he's running around circles because it's a shoe store that he'd never been in. I said, where do you want to eat lunch? He's like, I've eaten at McAdee's before. I said, at McAdee's? He's like, well, not in McAdee's. I've never been inside. He said, one time I went to a real fancy place uh, where, where they had this sandwich stuff everywhere, and there was a glass, and then they put stuff on your sandwich, whatever you told them, and then they gave you a sandwich in a bag. Real fancy place. I said, sounds a lot like Subway. And he's like, yeah, yeah, we got to go there. It was so cool. It was at a gas station. I was like, that's, that's upper level right there, buddy. And of course, my wife is, is a terrible person. Because she says, we got to get both boys. We've got to take them and make sure they both have shoes. Because you didn't get the other kid's shoes. I'm like, oh, another shoes? I mean, we do shoes, but I was like, oh, we're taking, because when we take them to the store, it's a whole different level of buying shoes because you're buying, you're spending money. And we go through, and she's like, we're going to feed you guys whatever you want. We drive down 200, and these kids are reading signs. I'm like, I'm on the wrong side of 200 right now. I'm on the wrong side. And they're like, red lobster. And I was like, no, sir. You know, I mean, I'm, if you know me, I don't care. But my wife's like, have you guys ever eaten red lobster? No, what do they have there? They have seafood and shrimp. They have shrimp? Oh, I've heard of that. My wife, red lobster it is. I'm like, you know. We go in there. You've got kids playing in the lobster tank. I'm like, you can't. Why not? Go for it. We'll get kicked out. I won't have to pay. It's going to be amazing. But the fact is they go through. Peyton goes in there, and it, his whole world, I had to take him to the the lady to get his haircut because you couldn't even tell it was a mullet anymore. And I was like, let's get this thing cut up. Yeah, yeah. And I laid him in there. I'm sitting out nothing. He comes out with a super mullet. I was like, whatever works, dude. But the fact is, they are the reason we have this mission. He has a gash on his leg right now that is this wide. He had stitches in it eight weeks ago and they came out and his mom said, there's no need to do anything else. He'll be fine. It's completely red around it. It's thick as company. There's blood and pus. I mean, I'm sorry being gross, but the fact is, I, I send it to my doctor, her, her phone, I send it to her, and she's like, bring him to the emergency room. I was like, yeah, I'm not his daddy. And she's like, bring him up. I can't tell you which doctor he is because you get trouble. Bring him to my back door. I'm like, I got you. 
because we have a little backdoor policy. Doctors aren't allowed to do that. But the fact is that you have to do something. You have to care. You have to be there for people. Some people are more worried about how many followers you, ha followers you have on your social media than how many followers Jesus has. I know you've heard that before, but listen to it. I don't care how many followers you have. I don't care how many stupid things you do on your videos. What are you doing in private? What are you doing to the side? People say, well, I don't really reach out. I don't evangelize. I don't do missions because what if? What if, what if they don't listen? What if, what if they don't care? What if they say this or what if they say that? What if they don't listen? Well, what if you don't do anything? You have a 100% fail rate. And nobody hears the gospel. But hey, you're safe from embarrassment. You're safe from being uncomfortable. It's amazing. You'll be fine. My truck always smells like a dead animal because I pick up weird dudes, man. I'm a hitchhiker specialist in the forest, only in the forest, though. And before they get in, I'm like, oh, I, I literally am a bad person. I've actually hung uh, air fresheners on people's on their ears. I'm not, I have done it. I'm like, dude, I love you. But he's like, I understand here. I'm like, oh, thank you, God. I, I have to air off. These boys get in my truck. I say, Peyton, when's the last time you had a shower? I take showers all the time. Just last week, I was about to get one. About that. I pull up to his house later that night, and I see a little camera lit up. And I said, you guys have cameras? And he's like, yeah. And I was like, that's fake. Yeah. I was like, that's solar. Yeah. Why is there no lights on your house at 730? Oh, we got power. We just don't use it. Don't use it late at night. Well, mom says we never should use it. Never? Well, how do you take a bath? Well, you know, it's hard right now because we really don't have, you know, floor in there. We don't really have a bathtub. And, this, and that, you know, of course, my wife can't hear that because now I'm going to remodel a bathroom for sure. But we're not here to impress people. We're not here to get awards. We're not here to be comfortable. We're not here to hear people applaud us for our great scripture quoting. Most of you can't even quote scripture unless it benefits you. I made you mad. Okay, good. Don't quote scripture to fit your need of the day. Don't quote scripture. The worst preachers are the ones who only study the Bible to fit the message they're about to preach. If a preacher is not just eating that Bible up every day, then they're not a preacher. They're not even a Christian. If you're not eating your Bible, the word of God, the bread of life, then you're not doing it, man. And you shouldn't take somebody like me to come in and tell you, hey, this kid's mama offered me her services. If you don't know what that means, Google it. One kid says, my mom makes money at the fish games. If you don't know what that is, Google it. I said, she gambles in there? No, she makes money on the outside. She has friends that give her money on the outside. She goes for a trip with them, then comes back and gets money. Okay. Yeah, it's some kind of business thing. It is. In fact, the world's oldest business. But he has to live that way, and his older brother actually understands what's going on, and you can see him just so embarrassed. So embarrassed. So don't be embarrassed, son. It is what it is. But you don't have to go that route. You don't have to be that person. And they need us to smile and change the subject. And the subject is them. People are always our subject. People are always our goal. In the forest, we have, I mean, like I said, I could talk about the kids who are living in squalor with no, no floors, no walls, and animals coming through, and snakes and bugs, and discussing things. When you get bug bugs, you don't have enough money to get rid of them. You got people coming in. You got special uncles coming in the room at night and doing stuff. They're not even an uncle. It's just somebody mama brought home. 11-year-olds who give birth. Six 11-year-olds in one year. You should be crying right now. I mean, it's terrible. 
When a girl reaches 13, 14, she'll have a baby. Everybody's excited. She has a baby at 14. My God, thank you. She made it. She made it to adulthood at 14. The babies I've buried because of stillbirths, because of young mamas. The babies I've seen pulled out of the coffin at the funeral and passed around like they were a toy. The stuff I've seen. It doesn't matter how much you quote scripture, no matter how much you preach. You know, it only matters. And it doesn't matter how big a tent you put on the corner. How many outreaches you guys have here. I loved your Easter egg thing. I loved it. Everybody was happy and excited. That's amazing. But if you're not living the gospel outside that one day event, it's not going to matter. I bet a lot of people love, some people might be in here because of that event right now. That's amazing. But they have to see you live beyond it. They have to see you live it at the Circle K. They have to see you live it at, at wherever you work. You don't get to take a day off. You don't get to take a moment off. Sometimes you're just tired of all of it. Then you don't understand all of it. Because the fact is, it doesn't matter. It matters how you treat people. How you show love, that's the example of Christ. That's how people get saved. In fact, I know there are hundreds of schools around the country that have faith-based messages on their wall without quoting where it comes from. Even our school out there, I saw another school, I was following mine, and they don't quote it, they don't give it its, its address, but it says, treat people the way you want to be treated. Do you guys know what that is? That's the golden rule. Matthew 7, 12. And I'll, I'll give it to you old schoolers in, in King James. Whatsoever ye would that men should do unto you, do ye even so unto them. That tells you how I grew up. I, I, I stuck in there. The fact is, if we don't treat people, and if we don't see people the way God sees them, God saw Paul a certain way that Paul didn't see when he was Saul. God saw Peter as a certain way. Jesus knew that Peter would be the rock of the church. He would be the one they built on. But he also knew he would be a punk and he would mess up. Peter, raise your hand. Okay, We mess up. But he still saw him as he could be. Do you don't think Jesus knew that? I mean, he even quoted said, hey, tonight three times, Bruce is going to crow, you're going to really be a terrible person. What? Yeah, it's going to happen. But he still didn't take back, you're the rock I'll build this church on. Peyton, if I have to bleed out, do whatever I have to do, he's going to be something. I'm going to suffer through that smelly little mullet. I'm going to have, and he is, he is not respectful. I almost threw him out of the truck driving down the road. I'm like, man, yeah, shush. He says, shush. Who tells me to shush? Who to, shush. Are you, well, I'm going to roll down the window. You're going to get out. He said, I'll get out. I'll find my way home. No, you can't. I'm going to take you really far. <laughs> but by the end of the week, he's like, yes, sir. Begrudgingly, but it's gotten better. And I'm not teaching him to say yes, sir, to me because I'm so important. I teach him to say yes, sir, because I want his life to be important. I want him to get somewhere. I want him to be something. I want him to find Christ through whatever avenue. I'm not going, Peyton, do you know the Lord? Sure he does. There's a church out there that runs around and gives kids bags of candy to get in a van. My day, that was Creeper. Still is. Now we just walk around and say, hey, we have free Wi-Fi at the church. Get in. You know, but that works. But the fact is, he knows that, but he doesn't know Jesus. He knows a bag of candy. I want him to know Jesus. I can't preach a Jesus that's not in me. I can go work on his house and show Jesus putting the floor down. I can show Jesus by making sure he has clean underwear. I can show Jesus by making sure he has a bottle of Axe. By the way, if you have a mentor center with 30 boys in it, you give them all a bottle of Axe at the same time, you're going to need a hazmat team. You're going to need a hazmat team to come in and figure out what's going on, and I'm going to be passed out. But we 
reach the lost for Christ through the way we live. And the forest is a crazy place. You guys know that we've just had the shootings and all that stuff out there. You guys are close enough to it. And I've been there for all the families, and I've been with them, and I've done memorials and vigils, and I've been part of one of the funerals already last Saturday, and I've got another one in two weeks. The little girl was on our little league teams growing up. And I'm not saying we're important. That doesn't make us important, but it makes us available. And I'm going to tell you, you know, my wife doesn't know these kids, the ones that went, and we were at the hospital when they rolled her down for the honor roll, the honor walk, and they got to the last second to put her in for the organ the donation, and grandma's losing her mind. My wife is losing her mind. She actually threatened me that night, don't you ever take me again, <laughs> because her heart is so compassionate. Every time, because we run mentor centers, and in front of one, one of the mentor centers in the ditch is where one of those kids was laying after they were murdered. And one of our 11-year-old kids is the one that found them. We walk through more than just a shooting. We walk through a life. Babies having babies. The, my wife and I are mid-adoption on two kids right now. Like, we, we need kids. We, need kids. we just were out. We, we ran out. <laughs> if you don't know us, my wife and I have been married 31 years, 34 years together. We have 12 kids. We had four. We found eight more. And then we're done. They're all out, except for Aaron. He just kind of hangs out. And then, you know, Aaron just kind of hangs out between mine and Liz's house. Um, and, and so, here we are. Two more kids. But we said, we don't want to take them. But these kids have been so badly abused, tied to dead cows and hidden in the shed for days. Three-year-old addicted to meth. Of course, you know, my wife hears that. Oh, we'll take them. But, but <laughs> one kid's been out of school since he was nine years old. He's 15. These are challenges. They're crazy. It's uncomfortable. It's, say it. Come on, somebody say, uncomfortable. And three-year-olds are sticky. you got some of those little ones. They're sticky. They're gross. They don't always make it to the bathroom. <laughs> For me, that's a huge mission. I'd rather deal with prostitutes and drug addicts, but three-year-olds. I'm almost 52 years old. I fit three. I'm going to be almost 70 and get kids out of school. I don't even know if I'll make it to graduation. I'm going to have to get life insurance now. But there are kids in our mentor centers that are not criminals. They're not drug addicts. They're not pregnant. And that is not an accident. People don't come to church by accident. People don't just fall out of their car into the pew. I'm glad you don't have pews. That's pretty cool. They don't fall out of their car. like, Oh, that looks like a nice sign. Everyday signs. Got some flags. I think I'll go there. That doesn't happen. It happens because of what they're seeing in the community. What they're hearing. What they're experiencing. You walk out with an everyday shirt. You better know what you're doing because you are representing your church. I don't care what you think. Yes. Now, I, I have Salt Life Church shirts. It's very awkward when I go to bail one of my members out of jail and they come out wearing a Salt Life Church <laughs> sign on their shirt. So you had to wear the church shirt getting arrested, huh? Right? <laughs> He's like, I was in there telling them all about our church as you got arrested. <laughs> yes. Well, it wasn't my fault. There's video evidence. Okay, so you know... Somebody smiled at somebody. Somebody say amen. Somebody smiled at somebody. Somebody evangelized. Somebody listened to their call, heard somebody breathe. And I don't care if they're a mouth breather, if they're not a toothbrusher, if they're not a body washer. I work at a prison two or three days a week. I'm going to tell you right now, there's not a lot of deodorant floating around in prison. If it is, it's definitely a commodity because they're not using it. You know, we're doing houses that have no hope of being houses ever again. I don't know where that bathroom is, and I can't get in the rooms. There's so much mold. And I'm not, I'm not one of those guys real sensitive to it, but some of my guys are. But we do it so we can have an influence one more day on Peyton, one more day on the brother, one more day on the other kids that walk down because I put a cooler up by the road full of sodas. Yet, once again, sounds creeper. 
all the white vans and the coolers full of free candy and stuff. But the kids come, they spend a minute, and we get to tell them things like, hey, you matter, you have value. There's a plan for your life. No matter who you are, who you used to be, who your parents are. Well, my dad's in prison. Oh, I know him. It's okay. I know him. You know my daddy? We'll talk about it later. Change their path from hopelessness to hopeful. Break not only the cycle of poverty, but the cycle of hopelessness and a future without God. Jesus said, I will make you a fisher of men, fishers of men, but it takes a lure to fish. Somebody say amen. amen. Even in church, Pastor Randy, I'm going I'm to put you out there. Sorry about this. But even in a church, man, I'm going to tell you, when I walked in the foyer, ooh, that smells good. You guys don't care, but it's, my church doesn't smell good. I was walking like, ooh, can we get some Febreze? And they're like, that's, that's him. I was like, can we Febreze him? <laughs> But you guys walk in, there's all these nice people, there's coffee, and there's smelling good. There's some nice man hand lotion in the bathroom. Boy, I was like, ooh, this is nice. I went back again just to get a little more, you know? I was like, this is fancy. Mine just gets stolen. I saw buying expensive stuff because they, they just steal it. I screwed it to the wall and they still steal it. My church is a whole different one. But some people will come into the church just based on those first few steps. After they get here, well, I don't know if I want to stay. I didn't say, you got all these cool things, but they're lures. We have a good children's church, a good nursery, good people, good music, man. I took a video, sent it to my youth pastor, and said, ha, you better get this done. <laughs> and he's like, quit making fun of me. I'm like, just throwing it down there. You guys, terrible. <laughs> you know? And they know I think that, but it's okay. I love them. But you do these things, they're lures. You say, we're just, we're not trying, no, but you're fishing in the community, they're lures. I just have different types of ponds, and I have several ponds open at the moment. Am I still okay for a minute? Okay. I have several ponds open. One of them is my food bank, where I found Peyton, where I found lots of kids, where I have kids that are now 35 years old coaching our little league. Because one minute, one time, some angry dude, they said, me probably, but they came out and said, we need shoes, we don't have them, your feet are too big. Kind of like the boy in the back that has the hobbit feet, you know? You guys still know who he is. He's out there. But the fact is, you wear a 14, you're a kid. We don't have those. But I have a baseball banquet uh, tomorrow. I won't be able to go. Well, life happens. It was a long time ago. And I say, okay. And we take their addresses and all stuff. Well, he said, yeah, this guy wouldn't even help me. And nobody had anything. And then later on that night, some scary dude came to my house with a pair of shoes and said, here's your baseball shoes. And then he left. And he's like, it took me a long time to figure out that was you. I was like, me? At the shoe store, I didn't pay for those shoes. When the lady put them in the bag and she put the receipt in there, I was like, ma'am, how do you have a receipt? I don't have, I haven't given you my credit card yet. I don't know who the lady was, really. I mean, if she's here, I apologize if it's you. But she said, Pastor Dave, and I was like, okay, she knows me. Pastor Dave, you've done so much for our family over the years. You're not allowed to buy shoes here. I was like, I'm not allowed back? You know, she's like, no, I cannot let you buy these shoes. And she gave the boy the shoes, the socks, and she paid for it out of her own pocket. It takes, it takes everybody to do something. You know, um, the mentor centers, we run after school. Elizabeth's been part of that. People are, man, that's a mess. You have no idea how many times I've tried to close those things. My wife will not let it happen. I know you guys say, you're trying to close them. They help children. They feed them. They clothe them. They give them safety and their prevention. But kids are sticky. They're gross. They're disrespectful. They're mean. And they end up going to college. And they end up having a life. And they end up not breaking the law. We have a girl last night. I did a catering over here. And, and they're like, what's so special about her? I was like, man, she's 17. She's going into 12th grade. 
She has no baby. She does not do drugs. She's not a criminal. And she's going to be somebody. What's she going to be? She's not going to be what is in the neighborhood. I'm not mentioning her name because people in here know she is. But she's going to be somebody. And, and you ask, what happened? Well, because I started this center when I was six years old. People cared about me. Pastor Dave, you yell at me. And sorry for your boyfriends in here. Uh, you yell at me about having boyfriends. And you're always scaring them. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> I don't think all, all boys are terrible. But if I scare them enough and they still stay, then I'm okay. But the fact is, I need this baby girl to make it. Her family's never been past eighth grade. Nobody in her family. Those who live out in the park, they know there's so many kids that have never been past eighth grade. We have more kids coming out of high school than we've ever had. We're able to give cars and, and be able to do laptops and all kinds of crazy stuff. They ride with Liz to a horse group uh, twice a month. How cool is that? Our kids go to horse group? Man, I can't afford a horse group. Somebody pays for it. It's so cool. We fish in that pond because we need to catch souls. We fish in the camp. We have a camp starting in just a few weeks, all six weeks of camp. There's going to be hundreds of kids all the time. And they are not all Christian kids, but they're going to meet Jesus. They're coming. You know, uh, Liz lives on our camp in the back. She knows that when we do camp, we convert our whole foyer to shoes, socks, underwear, lice medicine, Tampon racks. You go say, oh, Dave, he said Tim. Well, if you don't know what that is, Google that too. You know, but there are all these things, and it's this, and this, and this, and they're like, that's weird. As they come in, they sign in, and blankets. I am collecting blankets, because you know what? If you bring your own blanket, you might bring your own bed bugs. So it's just blankets. And we give them, and they, we outfit them. They think we're just being generous. We're being scared of bed bugs. But we, we do all this stuff, and the kid comes in like they're queens, like prince and princess. And that's always been our theme, that these kids, no matter what they come from, people say, you help those people. Do you know their parents are on drugs? Yes, that's why they're in a situation. You know, parents are criminals. That's why they're in this situation. Well, you shouldn't help this family. Well, you're a bad person. You're not a Christian. I'm going to call it just like it is. I get tired of people telling me, Pastor Dave, I'm going to give you money, but I know some families you're not allowed to help. I'm done. Take your money back. Well, you can't survive without my money. God don't need your money. My daddy is a rich cattle farmer, and sometimes I have to call him up and do an extra auction. But he has a cattle on a thousand hills, and I've only run through half of them. You understand what I'm saying? These kids have never done anything wrong. The vocational program we have, the county, they were handing out a bunch of money recently. They gave me some. And I, I did what anybody would buy. I bought an excavator. <laughs> if you guys know, those are very expensive. <laughs> and they're like, why are you buying? I don't know, because I'm teaching kids, people. I'm tearing down those old trailers for sure. But I'm teaching kids. You know that you can make up to $56 an hour running an excavator? My kids who live in houses without floors, 20 years old, can make a real living. They're learning how to run a bucket truck. Yeah, it's a little dangerous, but they'll make it. Bucket <laughs> trucks and chainsaws and landscape. And, and you know what? I had I had five kids running that uh, catering last night. And guess what? We failed. The last 10 people did not get pork, but they got extra dessert. <laughs> and I went out there, and they were like, rah, 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 rah. I'm like, OK, OK. And they're like, Pastor Dave, will you speak? I'm like, you don't want that to happen because I'm going to make that table feel real, real bad. And I pointed out, this is the kid that just went through some found the body. This is the girl that's going to make something of herself. This is the girl that has no electric right now. They weren't there. They had just left, but I made sure they knew who they were, and I sent them away with Bari to go eat so I could tell their story. And the next thing you know, the tip at that table is the biggest tip there is. Sorry about the pork. I'm a terrible person. It's like, no, no, it's okay. You can buy pork at Sunny's. It's okay. I give your money back. No, we made more money last night than we've ever made on their catering. Because the stories matter. 
People's stories matter. And some of you have maybe gone through this kind of stuff before. Some of you may live it. Some people have never even experienced it. Literally, people ask me to county, say, we're going to give you this grant. By the way, they gave me $400,000. But, and they said, Dave, what are you going to do? So I'm going to prevent generational poverty. I'm going to prevent generational worthlessness. I'm going to prevent generational self-esteem issues. What? How are you going to do that? I'm going to run Little League. Little League? What's, what's that do? It's a prevention tool. If kids are at my fields four or five nights a week, some of you guys have been very heavily involved in Little League, and they're out there, they're dressed really cool, they're spitting seeds and talking about stuff, running around circles, the peewee, you know, the, the, what do you call them, the t-ball, the t-ball guys that are stopping on second base, taking a pee and then running on. (laughs) It happens, and believe it or not, more than once. It's not always the same kid. Evidently, they've marked a spot, that's what happens. And sometimes they just run back to concession. They don't even play, they just run. But if they're there, and, and our all-stars, we always joke that we have the best all-star looking team ever, but they're the worst. They lose every game. I mean, they're the worst, but they look so cool. And I make sure if they do all-stars, they do it in a different town. I make sure it's expensive. I make sure they travel for a couple hours. I make sure they stay in a motel that has breakfast, and then we could take them to lunch, and they could stay somewhere else and be the visiting team. The terrible visiting team, but we're the visiting team, and we look cool. And we eat in restaurants with air conditioning and refills. And we go to hotels with clean sheets and air conditioning and bathrooms that work because it matters. That's part of my pond. Those kids that I've had for years are now coaches and, and umpires but they're also dads and construction people. During COVID, we broke. You guys understand COVID was crazy. Crazy. They shut my church down because my church is in a bar. It happens. But they shut it down. I'm like, I'm not shutting down. We were in a bar. You have to shut it down. We shut it down. So we went to work and we spent money. We spent lots of money. We didn't have lots of money. I make money by doing this, by speaking. Not at churches. I'm pretty sure this isn't really... I get paid. <laughs> the fact is, I speak in the villages and all over these clubs, the people's, the Corvette club, this club, that club. The, I have a big dog, little dog club. I have all kinds of clubs. But in 2020, they just shut me down. And I said, dear God, we don't have any money. These people need us. Who's, who's going to buy underwear? Who's going to give food? We have to give these kids. Our food bank, that pond feeds 7,000 people a month. My brother-in-law, Charlie, is running it like a champ, man. And there's more food than we've ever had. We have food on the shelf still. We've never had that. But in 2020, we broke. But God did not break. God had a system. And I said, God, I can't move. I can't. We've spent $45,000 a year just in fuel. That should have broke some of y'all's heart just now. I said, God, vans can't move. In 2020, we bought a brand new church building cash. We bought van cash. And I was like, how's it going? Amanda keeps our books. And, and we just started putting in wells and roofs. And I was like, whoa, this is great. This is good. But I don't really look at books. I've never seen my offering at church. I'm scared. I'm always scared. I just don't look at it. I just ask if we can pay the bills. I call Amanda, and she's doing her book. I said, Amanda, can I, do I have $7,000 to build a well? Yes, but, and I hang up on her. <laughs> and if she calls to call me back, I block her. So November 2020, she calls me and says, uh, Pastor Dave, do you know how much money you've spent? And I said, I assume this is not a good call. I assume all of it. She goes, not, not all of it, but you've, you've spent a few bucks. How much is a few? Well, right now you're at $900,000. And I was like, I just have one question about that. You say I spend it, right? She goes, yeah. And I said, we had $900,000? Well, yeah, but you keep spending it. I said, 
did, did we get embezzled? She goes, no, you built so many stinking wells and houses and things, and you just, it's gone. I mean, you spent it. Didn't you know it? I said, well, I called and asked you. You don't keep track? No, that's dangerous. <laughs> if I knew I was up to like $500,000, I'd be like, ha ha, we got to keep some. At the end of December, she called me back and said, you know you spent $1.1 million. Yes! Are we broke? And she goes, now, now you're broke. <laughs> but God continued to bless us. And you know how we made that? God provision. My mailbox was so stuffed with stimulus checks. Some old people said, I'm not going out. I'm scared. And I'm not going to eat out, so I can't go anywhere. You want my stimulus check? Yes, ma'am. Can I tell my friends? Tell every one of them. <laughs> and they did. And about for a while, about 70 of them a week sent their check at $1,200 a pop. So, oh my God, you had this money, did you waste it? My kids are drinking clean water in their house. There's electric poles set up. There's septics that are fixed. There's construction people with a truck where they can still go to work. There's a hairdresser that still has her salon. People say, oh, that is not ministry, that is ministry. You ladies who go to the hair salon, you gotta get your hair did. <laughs> but life and community happens in there. Girls' jobs were at stake in that, that salon. Men's jobs were at stake during this time. Families were at stake. And one of my favorite, and I'm, I'm getting closer. Were you still in church minutes? You go a long, long time. And people say sometimes. I'm not going to do that to you because I'm going to get hungry. And i got to go to prison too. Prison is my favorite. And if my church sees this, they're going to be like, yeah, thanks a lot. I love my church, but I love prison. If I, if I tell people, hey, we got a new inmate just got out. Come up here, pray for them. If anybody's been incarcerated in prison, uh, come on up here. About 60% of, my, 60 of my church will come up. I'm like, I said, if you're in prison. Okay, one person sits down, they all still coming. I was like, oh, well, I guess county works too. Come on. But they all come because their hearts are, man, there's redemption, there's restoration. It's not about religion or legalism. It's about relationship. When I go in, I never ask a man what they've done. Well, do you minister to the bad ones? It's a state max. Of course they're bad. You don't get in there because you were good. I tell my guys all the time, you guys don't follow rules. Like, yes, we do. You're wearing a blue jumpsuit. You do not follow rules. Well, it wasn't my fault. Evidently, something was. I know you're all innocent, but the blue says something. You're right, Pastor Dave. You're so hard. I'm not hard. I'm being real with you. And that's why they love me. That's why I love them. You don't know what I, what I did? I don't care. But I did. I know. You're on your 23rd year. It wasn't nice. And you're just like, but they could be evil. Of course they could have been evil. And they may never see the light of day because they were so evil. And maybe they should never see the light of day outside those walls. But that doesn't mean because they're not getting out of that gate that they won't get to the next gate. And I tell my guys all the time, we're, and, and when I am, officially my title in the prison is reentry coach. I'm the reentry guy. I build them from five years down to the end. By the way, your pastor is kind of a little punking me on going to prison. I've been trying to punk him, and he's not finished his paperwork. Please, someone pray for him. I'm just saying. Okay. But he knows God bother him. Finish your paperwork. Because they, you know what they love about volunteers? They don't need them to have a past. They don't need them to know gangster this. I'm not a gangster. I'm not anybody. Look at me. I have no style whatsoever. I just took a bath. But what they love about me is that I'm willing to go in. And I love on them. And I'm breathing. They get it. I'm taking time out of my day to go see them. And they love it. They would love you. In fact, when you go in, you go, holy cow, I saw you on the ID channel. Because they're in there. And they're going to be like, yeah. You know, and... And I'm going to tell them all kinds of stories where you come. I got you, dude. Like, I'm going to tell them we were on an episode of Ice World Truckers. <laughs> but they just love it because I go in there and I get them ready to come out. Because you know why? Half of them, they're parents of my kids in the forest. 
And if I don't do something, they're going to come out and be the same abuser, the same alcoholic, the same drug addict, the same criminal, the same non-budgeting thief. Because what? Yeah, God can change a thief. God can change even a murderer. God can change these people. I know some of you guys have levels of crime that you don't accept as God can change. Read the Bible again. There are levels of crimes where people should not be set free. Understood. There are boys who just did this crime. Sadly enough, three boys that did the shooting that they will probably never see the light of day. But one of them was 12. One of them was 12. And if you see the interview, some people have privy, some people, but in the interview with his mom came in calling him every single piece of garbage, worthless, nothing. And I, I know he's the shooter. I get it. I get it. He's 12. Who smiled in his life? Who didn't smile in his life? Why was he out at 2 o'clock in the morning? Why was he out? And you say, he should burn. Even if he never gets out, whatever that looks like, he's probably the only one that even has a chance in the next 50 years. The other boys are going to get natural life, which means they die in prison. Still sad. We didn't lose just three lives. We lost six lives. And I, I would get crucified in my own community if I even talk like this because I'm supposed to be anti. What I'm anti is losing people. The kids don't matter. This kid's a piece of garbage, but he's not. And he's going to take him 40 years to build his life for God. I have men that, honest to God, when I lay in, in bed at night and I watch the ID channel, if you guys don't know what that is, that's how you meet my program, guys. But they're there. My wife would be like, oh, my gosh, that guy is terrible. You see what he did? I'm like, yeah, that's a terrible guy. She's like, he's horrible. And I watch it, and I watch it, and I see the court scene. I'm like, oh, I know that guy. And like, what is he? He's in your program? We have 205 men in the program. I work for somebody in there that started the program, but I'm, I'm the third person, and we're in there. And, and I'm like, yeah. She goes, what does he do in the program? I was like, well, he's kind of, <laughs> he's kind of an elder. What? He, he did that. I'm like, he's, he's an elder. <laughs> he's the top, top elder right now <laughs> over the 200 men. But he was a bad man. And if we don't do something for these kids, whether it looks like repairing a floor, buying a pair of underwear, taking a meal. You know, Peyton was so happy to have a piece of fried chicken out of my lunch. He thought I just blessed his whole life forever. Can I keep the bone? Bro. Bro, the bone? I'll get you a bunch of bones. But the fact is, if we don't speak in their life, I will see these men at some point in their life. I will be their counselor. I will be the one that hopefully gets them ready to come out, or I'll be the one that says, let me talk to you because I know you are a 99. A 99 means they're never getting out. You're a 99. Yeah. You guys know there was some very unpopular thing happened over here in Summerfield years and years ago. I know you hate to hear this, and that man is never, that young man who was 15 at the time, is never getting out of prison. But I want to tell you some, something. For me, you may hate me, but God has changed his life. He absolutely is in love with Jesus like you never heard. He cries out to God. He loves it. He ministers to men. He digs holes in the garden, and they just shipped him out of my unit. And I'm, I'm brokenhearted, not because he's going somewhere. He's going something. He didn't do anything wrong, but the fact is, God can change even the worst of the worst. And I'll tell you, you don't have to be a killer to be the worst. You just have to be separated from God. The devil's other tool is division. Division is a vision divided. God has a vision not only for your life and for everyday church, but for the entire community. You don't go to Africa without going to Bellevue. Don't go to Africa without going to Summerfield. Don't go to Africa without going to the Jiffy store. And I've got, I, could, I, I just don't have the time, but I could, I could say we do all these things, but it's not enough. 
It's, we don't do enough. Because if I can't impact somebody, and I told the guy here, I did my 788th funeral this week. And over half of them are overdoses. 788. I got two more coming this week. I just had a suicide this week. I had another stabbing. Had all this craziness. People say, why would you do that? Because in every audience, there's 50, 100, 200 people. Most of them only come to church to hear about the funeral. And nobody lets them open the Bible, but in the funeral, I can open the Bible. I can speak scripture, they will listen. I can pray, they will bow their heads. Their hearts are soft and tender because they lost their friend, but the gospel can penetrate that at that moment. Those are my opportunities. You may not get to do any, but there's all kinds of opportunities. Tons of times, and some of them are in your house, and they're the hardest. My brother is a Buddhist. He, he slapped crazy. He texted me two weeks ago and said, hey, by the way, I'm going to Thailand next week. What you doing there? I'm just getting married. Okay. But my brother's my hardest conqueror. And God always tells me it's not yours to conquer. It's mine. Yours is to pray. So some other missionary, some other person is going to reach my brother for Christ. I believe that. So not everybody you can conquer, but everybody you can touch. Everybody you can smile at, right? Right? Aubrey? She just thought I was creeping her. This summer, we're going to blitz the forest. We're going to take care of houses. We're going to take care of kids. I don't care if we rebuild floors. I don't care if we pick up a fence. I don't care if we clean up a yard. I don't care if we do a feeding. But what we're going to do is we're going to show people that we have love and compassion for them. And we don't care what they smell like. We don't care what they're wearing. We don't care what their house looks like. We don't care about any of that. What we care about is how many followers of Jesus Christ happens. That's our whole goal, is to make disciples of Christ. I like my brother, he said, I'm not going to expound on a scripture that's already written. I can't improve the Bible, guys. I say stupid stuff all the time. When pastor was saying, you know, show the fruit, you got to be part of the vine. As soon as he said fruit, I would have said fruit basket. That's me. I'm that guy. I'm not super good at this. But I am good at loving people who are unlovable. Because at one point, Dave Houck was so unlovable. Because I made myself unlovable. Not because God didn't love me. And the whole time, God was loving me. But some of his people were not loving on me. Some of his church people were seriously throwing some serious hate. I guess you're supposed to say shade, but whatever. They were throwing it. I'm not cool. I am, but you guys will make fun of me. So the fact is that you can't do that. You've got to love people. I'm not going to fall off. The people, you've got to love. I saw people looking right at my feet. They're like, here he goes. I'm fat. If I fall, there's, the doctor's going to have to help me. <laughs> if you guys become a part of what we're doing this summer, we'd love it. But if, if only a few of you come and be a part of Ocala Missions this year, that's fine. But the rest of you are still commissioned into the mission right now. I don't care where you work, what you do. I don't care what the policies are. You don't work for the government. You work for the government. Policies are it never, never, ever stops you from smiling. If you smile enough, somebody will ask you why you got that stupid smile on your face. Well, well I got a story for you. <laughs> I used to just say, well, it's because I'm not going to hell. And like, that got a little aggressive. <laughs> but the fact is, you, you're not stopped from smiling. And the worse the person is, the bigger the smile. Smile and weave. How you handle life is how you produce the, present the gospel. People are not going to always be nice to you. You don't look for people who are being nice to present the gospel. Chances are they might have the gospel. But you look for opportunities where Christ tells you, 
Listen to me, I got a plan. That's basically all I want to say to you today. Is that okay? On behalf of Pastor Randy and the entire staff at Everyday Church, we'd like to thank you for joining us today. For more information on the church, please visit us at everydaychurch.xyz.